In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Dearly really beloved in Christ, today we come together to hear God's word regarding compassion, humility, and mercy. Our journey begins in the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. The story starts on the Sabbath day when Jesus went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to dine. A man ill with dropsy, or what we call today edema, encounters Jesus. Now it's the Sabbath, and if you're familiar with the New Testament, you know that Jesus and his disciples get accused of breaking the Sabbath law frequently. In fact, recall that the disciples got accused of breaking the Sabbath law by merely picking and eating some heads of grain as they walked through a field because they were supposedly harvesting and threshing. And Jesus also definitely gets accused of breaking the Sabbath law every time he heals on the Sabbath. Of course, if we make a plain reading of the New Testament law, we see this sort of very strict interpretation of the law was certainly not what was there. The Pharisees had added these additional burdens to the law, and this was what Jesus repeatedly called the Pharisees out for. For example, saying in Matthew 23, 4, where they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And when Jesus heals on the Sabbath, he further reminds us of his words in Mark 2:27, saying, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this is a good lead into where I want to go as we focus on our gospel today and how it relates to our epistle reading from the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Before Jesus heals the man, he asks the Pharisees a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And then Jesus goes ahead and heals the guy. Now, this action is a direct answer to that question, of course, and his action shows that it's not only fine, but the right thing to do on the Sabbath, despite the strict legalistic perspective of the Pharisees. Of course, Jesus doesn't stop there. He challenges them each directly, much like he did when he said to those about to stone the woman caught in adultery, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Here he calls them out directly saying, which of you? shall have a donkey or an ox that had fallen in a pit and would not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day. And it says they couldn't answer him. In other words, Jesus was right. And they were all basically admitting that they'd do that for their animal. And if for an animal, then obviously how much more of value is the human who has fallen into a pit of suffering from a terrible disease. Jesus demonstrates that true compassion and mercy should never be hindered by legalities. After all, and this is a key point for today, as we say every week from the mouth of Jesus, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And that these two commandments hang upon, upon those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets tells us that a proper understanding of any of the law begins from that place. Is there anything in healing your fellow man that's contrary to remember that thou keep holy the Sabbath day? Anything contrary to six days thou shalt labor and do all that thou hast to do, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God? In it thou shalt do no manner of work, thou and thy son and thy daughter, thy manservant and thy maidservant, thy cattle and the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Of course not. 
And even Orthodox Jews, who, for example, are physicians, are able to work on the Sabbath. It would be contrary to any sense of compassion for our fellow man for them not to be able to do so. Now, this is the first part of this gospel story. But then Jesus tells this curious parable right after it. A story of a guest at a wedding feast who seeks a place of honor at the table. And he's humiliated when the host asks him to move to a lower seat in front of all the other guests. Jesus urges in this parable for us to take the lowest place at the table. For when the host sees this humility, he may exalt us by inviting us to a higher place of honor. How does this relate to the rest of the passage? Well, Jesus here is telling us that we can put ourselves in the pit and fall into it ourselves. That it's okay. He wants us to. Jesus is telling us that when we do that, and when we are lifted out of it by our fellow man, and most certainly by God, and we can count on that, that we won't just be put back on the surface of the road we were walking on before, like this man he healed. Now, God's going to lift us up even higher than we were before. But to do that, God requires humility. And God's kingdom greatness is not measured by positions of power or prestige, but by the attitude of our hearts. When we willingly take the lowly position in the pit, we show true humility, acknowledging our dependence on God and recognizing the worth and value of others. And only when, we can hum, only when we are humble can we, in fact, love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. So turning to Paul's words in Ephesians, where he further enlightens us about this, Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, with humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. We strengthen the bonds of unity within the body of Christ. Humility, gentleness, compassion, and patience become the bridge that unites us. When we humbly recognize our own need for grace and extend that same grace to others, our unity with Christ and each other flourishes and we become more and more the family of God. In light of Christ's humility and compassion, we find ourselves equipped to embrace compassion and mercy as guiding principles for our daily lives. Compassion moves us to be the vessels of God's love and understanding, showing kindness not just to our fellow human, but to all living creatures, and indeed to all of God's good creation. Humility puts us in a position where we see with clear eyes our relationship to God and neighbor. It helps us see our own weakness, our own need for grace. Mercy enables us to bear one another's weaknesses and allows us to offer forgiveness and grace to those around us who, like all of us, are in dire need of it. So let us heed the teachings of our Lord and embrace his compassion, humility, and mercy. May we become mirrors, indeed icons, of the compassionate heart of Jesus Christ himself. May the Holy Spirit empower us to be compassionate in our thoughts, humble in our posture, merciful in our actions, and united in our faith. By being icons of Christ to this broken world, may we become beacons of hope that radiate his love to all we encounter in a testament to the transformative power of his grace. Let us not be afraid to put ourselves in the pit where Christ can lift us up to a higher place than where we even began. In doing so, we not only deepen our relationship with Christ, but also become his hands of healing and reconciliation 
in a world yearning for his loving healing.